0: I'm Hannah, Hannah Graham, been in Life Church for about nine years now, I'm married to Paul, nine years, <laughs> married to Paul, I've got two kids and I work for the church as well in our comms stuff, so uh, yeah, all your giving is so appreciated because you keep me and our family being able to have a home, <laughs> you know, and live Today, I want to talk about um, the vibrant everyday lives we can have when we accept and welcome God's Holy Spirit into our hearts. And I've called this talk Holy Spirit Temples. There's some of my Canva artwork for you to enjoy. Um, Yeah, I think Phil was saying uh, just a moment ago that um, what God's got for us is better. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this is what this is all about, what we're going to see in Acts 7. God has got better for us. And also, you're at home. I just want to really encourage you that you're not here. We love you. um, And this message is just as applicable to you today as it is to all the church family here. So I just really want to encourage you and welcome you into this service. So yeah, we're going through a series on the book of Acts in the Bible, which talks about the early church. Last week, Luke took took us through Acts 6, which sets us up really well for today's passage, Acts 7. Uh, In Acts 7, we look at a speech made by Stephen. So Stephen is a disciple. We know he's full of God's grace, power, and faith. And he taught about Jesus. He even looked really shiny because he was filled with God's Holy Spirit. How cool is that, that he looked different because he was filled with God? And in Acts 7, Stephen Um, God uses Stephen to convict hearts through a powerful, Holy Spirit-filled speech. He stands before the Jewish council accused of speaking against God, Moses, who God gave the law, the temple, and all these pillars of um, religious Jewish identity. In in the passage before, we read that these accusations are fabricated lies and come from tensions and oppositions to the growing early church. People are stirring up these lies and they're getting others to believe them. And here Stephen responds to these claims, but it is no average speech that he brings. He is full of the Holy Spirit, which means he is full of the Spirit of God, which means that everything he says is truth. Stephen's speech takes the Jewish councils through this whistle-stop tour of their faith to show them that they have misunderstood Moses and the temple and what they ultimately point towards, which is Jesus. So it's kind of helpful to have a bit of an understanding of the Old Testament when it comes to reading this speech because he refers to it throughout for a reason. The Old Testament in the Bible is the first half of the Bible, and it charts the history of God's people and stories of their acceptance and rejection of God. And the second half is called the New Testament, which was written after Jesus was born. So what does Stephen say? Well, he spends a long time talking about the Old Testament for a reason. He uses it to challenge and enlighten his accusers. It's not him who has spoken against Moses and God, it's actually them. During the first half, he tells the story of God's people in the Old Testament up until Moses. Here we see a running theme of God's faithfulness, but their rejection of him and those he sent to rescue them. God promises them prosperity and security, and in return, he just asks for them to follow him. Abraham receives the promise from God and circumcision was an act of acceptance and obedience and a reminder of God's promise. But the people repeatedly went their own way. Joseph was rejected and he was actually a saving tool. Moses was sent to save them, but he too was rejected. There's an ongoing theme going on there. We can see this in verse 25, where where it says, Moses thought that his own people would realise that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Stephen contrasts God's faithfulness and forgiveness with their unfaithfulness and rejection of him. The thing is, the people, they were never satisfied with God or those he sent. So they went their own way, and that didn't work out well for them. They experienced famine, oppressive masters, and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So we're going to pick up the scripture now from verse 35, when God sends Moses to Egypt to rescue his people from oppression. And my friend Ian is going to come and read that for us.
1: This is the same Moses who they'd rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt. He did wonders and miraculous signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the desert. This is that Moses who told the Israelites, God will send you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the desert with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with your fathers, And he received the living words to pass on to us. But our fathers refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. And as for that fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and held a celebration in honor of what their hands had made. But God turned away and gave them over to worship of heavenly bodies. This agrees with what was written in the book of the prophets. Did you send me sacrifices and offerings for 40 years in the desert, O house of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of Molech and the star of your God, Repham, the idols who you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony with them in the desert, and it had made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had seen. Having received the tabernacle, our fathers under Joshua brought it with them, and they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. However, the Most High does not live in the house made by men, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your forefathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was put in effect through the angels, but have not obeyed it.
0: What a cliffhanger that it ends on there. Notice how the language changes at the end of this speech. It goes from are to your. Stephen really rounds on them at the end. You can kind of feel the heat rising, can't you? He's chastising his his personal and it's offensive. You stiff necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. Oh my goodness. That that meant so much to these people. Stiff neck means stubborn, proud, difficult to lead. This was recognisable language at the time, used to describe God's people at other times in the Old Testament. They would have been super familiar with this. Actually, you know, stiff-necked, I looked it up, and it's, they refer to an ox who, like, they're ploughing in the field. This was really familiar. And the ox was so stubborn that when they wanted to move it, it just would be like, no, I'm not moving around. So that's what stiff-necked was. It's being compared to an ox. <laughs> Uncircumcised hearts and minds refers back to Abraham and the promise. So they would have been really familiar with this as well. It means disobedience. So they've been disobedient to God's covenant and law. Stephen says they've made the same mistakes as their ancestors. They've rejected God and those he sent to rescue them. They've resisted the Holy Spirit, which is God's truth, and rejected Moses, who represents the law, and Jesus, who came to fulfill it. Stephen picks up on the temple as well, and he says, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. So the temple God told them to build in the past, their place of worship had become misunderstood and idolized. They were worshiping the temple more than the one dwelling there, and they'd become stuck, really stuck in the ways of doing things, and they kind of put God in a bit of a box. Solomon, who had built the temple as directed by God, but he knew that even God couldn't be um, restricted to that place alone. And at his death, Jesus was even mocked for stating something greater than the temple is here. He was talking about himself. The law, the temple, the prophets all point to Jesus because Jesus is our ultimate rescuer. It's through Jesus' death and resurrection that God makes a new covenant with his people, we become the dwelling places of God, and when Jesus died, I really love this bit. There's like this really heavy old curtain in the temple, and, it, and it's um, it's separating God from coming together and connecting with the people and having a relationship and this this massive curtain just rips in into such a significant symbol of what Jesus has done it would have made such a racket you know it was significantly just fell into signifying an invitation for us to come close to God and for God to come close to us we can expect and enjoy this freedom today okay that wasn't just for then and it wasn't for just the people receiving this it's for us today God's home, his temple, transfers to us. God's presence, the Holy Spirit, comes into our hearts. And we become these living, breathing temples of God's Holy Spirit. And it is beautiful and it's powerful. So... I think another theme in Stephen's speech is this theme of resistance. When God's people resisted him, they were out in the wilderness on their own, and it went badly. You contrast that with Stephen, who's accepted by God and is filled with the Holy Spirit and truth. Everything about him is different to them. You can see such an opposite, such a contrast. And that's because Stephen is thriving as a holy temple of God's Spirit. God has a personal and beautiful relationship with him. And we, the church, both individually and corporately, we're temples of the Holy Spirit too. But are we thriving like he is? In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the early church to help them out. He says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own. I don't want to be my own. Okay, I am a Holy Spirit carrier and, I, and with that I'm safer, happier, more at peace and filled with hope because I'm God's daughter. My worth comes from him alone. It doesn't come from me standing up here talking to you guys. It doesn't come from me serving in other stuff or anything else I could do from being a mother. You know my worth comes from Jesus and what he's done and that has given me so much freedom in my life. I'm being guided and led by my Father through the Holy Spirit and I want to listen to him because he tells me truth, he is good, he has plans to prosper me, not harm me and give me hope. He also teaches me well because he's really good at his job and he gently convicts me when I'm wrong and I am wrong a lot. <laughs> I've learned in my journey with God also that it's not good to like resist the Holy Spirit and when I do, I see that I can become stiff-necked like those people as well. I put God in a nice, neat box. In the past, I've done my church thing, gone home, done my outside of church thing. And, um, and it's not really worked out that well, I can tell you. Every time I've done this, I've ended up missing God's guidance and wisdom in my life. And I felt disconnected and compromised. It's like I'm kind of coasting along and I'm not really satisfied with anything. Like I'm wandering in the wilderness too and I need him every day. God desires access and freedom to our hearts because it's good for us. If we say no, we'll struggle. But if we say yes to him, he'll breathe life into us. We'll see his awesome power in our lives changing us, growing us, and shaping us. So why, why do we resist God? Because we all do it, I do it. We all resist God at times. Do we put God in a box? Why is it we might not be drawing closer to him? Fear, control, pain and believing lies about who God is and who we are in him as his children are common reasons to resist God. And looking at why we do this might be helpful and I can see some eyes have gone up to this slide. Um, I made this slide because I was like, well, why, why do we do this? Why do I do that? What is the root of why I don't, I don't want to come close to God? And these are some of the things that I find myself saying or I've heard others say. And, and we've all got at least one of those. <laughs> no one is exempt. Have a look at them and just see what God's, God's just like putting the finger on for you. I was speaking to someone the other day and she thought she had to be ready to read the Bible. I mean, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? Ready to be presentable towards God or something? She felt unworthy to pick up God's book so she hadn't and it turns out a lot of people feel like this. I feel like there's some people here today that actually don't feel good enough to come before God and he would say to you today that he loves you and that his arms are open wide for you and I was able to tell her the truth that she's accepted. Do you know that you are You're accepted today? Someone else said to me, why would Jesus even want me? And he was resisting God because he felt inferior, unworthy that was because he didn't feel good enough for God all these, these lies that just stop us coming close to him a few weeks ago Tim Dock brought a word um, about us not having to have all our ducks in a nice neat row um, before we come before God and I'm just so thankful that God's not looking for perfect he looks at our hearts and our desire to know him and he loves to work from that place Jesus says, I require mercy, not sacrifice. He has made a way for us to confidently come before God with our fear, our pain, our desire to control stuff. He isn't pointing the finger, touching, saying, you're not ready for me to come into your life. It's, It's the total opposite. His arms are wide open. He's with us on the journey, and he's the answer to it all. You know, when we're filled with God and his Holy Spirit, we can talk to him about these things, and he knows He comforts, enables, convicts, and helps us overcome them through the Holy Spirit because he promises us this in his word, in the Bible, which is truth. We all have lies, we believe. In this speech, God's people were resisting God's truth and believing lies. They were worshipping other gods, the moon, the stars. They made stuff with their hands and worshipped that. The enemy of this world who we call the devil, he will use lies to try to destroy anything good like our relationships with one another and with God. But the Holy Spirit helps us see these lies for what they really are and knowing God's truth will help us overcome them. Last year... I found that the Holy Spirit was convicting me about how I felt towards some friends. I'm just going to share a story with you. I've I've checked my friends; they're okay for me to share the story because it's quite vulnerable. But I want you to see the journey I went on, and I want you to see what the Holy Spirit did, and I want you to be really encouraged. So, um, my family and I were really good friends with Valtor and Simona, um, who, in a few months' time, they're going to be leaving this church. They're going to be going to Holland, and. I found that um, over, over the time of knowing this news, processing it, I started to feel bitter, angry and quite sorry for myself. I started believing lies about them. And the root of all of this was fear, really deep-rooted fear. Like, my kids are really good friends with theirs. I was really scared. I wanted to control their relationship and not. I didn't want this to happen. You know, they've championed me on my journey with God. They've they've been amazing mentors to me. I was like, well, I'm going to lose this, you know. And I became very inward-focused. As I spent time talking with God in prayer, I felt the Holy Spirit highlight these feelings and ask me to actually be honest with my friends about it. It was like I became really uncomfortable with them. these feelings inside me, that anger, and I couldn't ignore them and just push through it. I knew I should tackle this, and I felt scared. I felt really sick about it. didn't want to do it. But on the slide, I was scared. But then I, I picked up God's truth and saw what he said. And he says, God promises to be with us, to strengthen and uphold us in Isaiah 41.10. He will not let your foot slip, and he will watch over you. Psalm 121. God's perfect love drives out fear. God's one, John 1, 4, 18. So I took on that truth, and I was like, God's with me. If the Holy Spirit's convicting me, then there's going to be some good stuff that comes out of it, because God never leaves us or forsakes us. Through God's grace and knowing he's for me, I had the courage to meet up with them and tell them how I felt. It was a bit awkward. (laughs) but I stuck close to obedience and surrender. I said sorry and explained where it was coming from and they understood and they were so full of love and kindness to me. God gave me peace and he crushed the fear and actually we have a deeper friendship as a result of me going through that process with them. The situation hasn't changed But the Holy Spirit is enabling me to handle it better with his perspective. So I'm I'm standing here, I'm saying to you, I'm really sad about it still. And it's okay to acknowledge your emotions before God. God's not telling me to not be sad about it. But I'm not in a place of feeling bereft or without hope. There's a difference. The Holy Spirit is with me and he's helping me through this. And God is so faithful with our pain. He is gentle with our hearts and he knows what's best for us. So what we need to do is choose obedience and trust him, even when we cannot see the outcome of things. Through Stephen's speech, God is appealing to the Jewish leaders to see the pattern of their resistant behavior and understand that God wants a deep and meaningful relationship with them. He wants to be close to them. He wants to be close to us. Now we're living in a world of individualism when actually what our hearts desperately want is to belong. Jesus is drawing us in. He was drawing God's people in all those years ago, but they resisted him and missed the message. Today, let's not resist him. Let's not miss his message. He wants to make our hearts a temple of the Holy Spirit, his presence, so he can draw close and bring life and hope into our lives. I I feel I'm feeling quite emotional actually, and I'm just like asking God about why that is. And I think I think this is um, for some people. They're looking at that stuff up there, and and then it's really hurting their hearts. And and maybe they've been in that place for a very long time. And maybe you've gone to God and you've been trying to push through some stuff with Him, but you just feel like. He's not answering answering the way you hope he would answer. And, and actually, you're probably feeling a bit like, you know, it's just hopeless. This situation's hopeless. And I, I feel, I think that the Holy Spirit is just telling me that to encourage you that it's not hopeless. It's not hopeless because God is for you and he's not against you. And you need to pick up the word of God and find the truth in there and speak it over your lives and declare it because it's powerful and the Holy Spirit comes to heal. I think He wants to heal today. We're going to have another song now, and as the band play, I'd love you to listen to the words in the song and invite the Holy Spirit of God to do to fill you afresh. So if you're not sure how to do this there's there's no real sort of like you have to do this and that but do it by talking to him out loud in your heart with your hands high or your eyes closed however you want God is Jesus is inviting you to come in and just have this dialogue with him again if it's something that you've been to him before about and you feel it's hopeless you need to talk about it with him today he wants to give you hope God hears and desires an honest relationship with us. And what's the truth that God wants to show you today? Let's just spend some time with him asking, Holy Spirit, come in to my life afresh. What truth do you want to say to me right now about this thing? Maybe you're here today and this is the first time you've heard about God dwelling in us and you want to be filled with this Holy Spirit that changes our lives and helps us in so many ways. Ask him to fill you today. If you want support in prayer and someone to pray with you, please raise a hand during this song. And we would love, you can come and find me. I would love to pray with you. Let's stand, shall we? You know, I like to sometimes just put my hands out and and I feel like it's a kind of surrendering moment. I just want to welcome God in. And if you want to do that, if you feel like you want to do that, then go ahead and do that but let's just spend some time asking God, the Holy Spirit, what he wants to say to us now